On today's show, after watching the NBA Finals, the Mavs roster needs two things to become a title contender. We'll tell you what those are. And could Patrick Baldwin Jr. be the big swing wing the Mavericks need to take in the NBA draft? We'll talk about all that and more on today's Like a Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Lockdown Mavericks Podcast. And welcome, you are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Mavs your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where the best way to help us grow the show is to comment anything below. Today, what do you think the Mavs roster needs to go to the NBA Finals? What do you need? What do you think it needs? Anything. Just put it down in the YouTube comments. Joining me, as always, my co-host, writer, and contributor at Mavs.com. The Finals fiend, the one more thinking. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? We're so close to the draft. We're like, how many pods away from, from the draft are we? Seven? Eight? Yeah, not, like not a eight lot. Eight pods from the draft. This is the last full week before the draft. The draft is next Thursday, June 23rd. Mm-hmm. Mavericks have the 26th overall pick in the draft. If you guys missed last week, maybe you're on vacation. Maybe you're maybe you were like traveling the world and you didn't have service to do pods. We started our draft profiles last week and we have literally you can go to our YouTube channel. There's like 10-minute segments on all these different prospects yep. that we think are in the Mavericks range. We're going to continue it this week, but Go listen to last week if you missed last week. Go check them out. Lots of good stuff there. All right. Today, we're going to be talking about the finals, the NBA finals, and what lessons the Mavericks can learn from these NBA finals. Because we've seen a lot of this Warriors team. We're now seeing this Boston team up close and personal. We're seeing these two teams now. And what lessons can the Mavericks learn? They were almost there. You know, they were, what, three wins away from the NBA finals? That's still true, right? Thanks, Nick. Still true. But let's, let's get into it. What things can the Mavericks learn from the NBA Finals? And then, of course, later, like I mentioned at the top, we're going to do our draft profile on Patrick Baldwin Jr. Really, really fascinating prospect. Just had a crazy last two years, but he is an incredible big swing the Mavericks could take. So we'll talk about him in the third segment. Well, let's start with the NBA Finals. So it's tied up. Curry had an incredible game in Game 4, tied it up. The you know it's the awesome. Celtics had an incredible shooting game in Game One. You had all these different things, and now it's just tied up, and it feels like it's anybody's game right now. These are two very different teams built very different ways, but I think there's some big lessons we can learn, or at least the Mavericks can learn from these two. And I kind of think it starts with this: the Mavericks' biggest problem in the Warriors series was their bigs. I think they really struggled in that department. Kevon Looney just ate. And we're seeing how Kevon Looney is not necessarily eating in the Celtics series because of Horford and Robert Williams. But the combination of Looney and Draymond and then Robert Williams and Al Horford make these dynamic bigs that you can play them together and you can play them alone. Like you can play them separately. You can play Draymond as the five. You can play Looney as the five. You can play Horford as the five. Robert Williams as the five. You can also play them all together, right? You can play, they can, They start the lineup of Horford and Robert Williams. They start the lineup of Looney and Draymond, and it's viable either way. And I think having dynamic bigs like that just changes so much. And we've already heard from Nico Harrison from exit interviews, from other interviews that he's done. The Mavericks want to add 
a rim protector, a rebounder, a, a big like that. I think it has to be a dynamic big, and I think there's a couple of things that go into a dynamic big, but I think that's one of the biggest things the Mavs can learn from this finals. Yeah, I was, you know, obviously looking at that because we know Dallas wants to improve in that over the offseason, and I, I just I wrote down a lot of different takeaways. We'll talk about them as far as some wings and, um, you know, some different stats and stuff, how the teams are constructed. But I literally wrote down, it's like, I don't know what my takeaway is for the bigs just because of they're all different. Like even the Boston bigs, like they have nobody that's averaging over 30 minutes a game. Like Horford's right yeah, at it. He's right. like 29 and a half, whatever. So like Horford's at 29, Robert Williams is at 24. You look at the golden state side, like Looney's averaging 23 minutes. Draymond's averaging 34. So 35 minutes. So it's like Draymond is the only big and he's like, what? Six, seven, six, six seven, eight, yeah. you know, that is averaging over 30 minutes in the series. So it's like, and they're all so different. They have different roles. If you want to include Grant Williams in that too. So I'm like, I don't even know what, like what the takeaway is, is the takeaway saying, Hey, the bullpen approach, it can work. Like one of these teams are going to, is going to win the finals is the takeaway saying, yeah, like, Hey, we shouldn't spend $40 million on a center because look, like, look at this. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't have a, I have firmer takes on some other things. But I don't have a firm take coming out of just this series of saying this is what the bigs are. Yeah. Well, I think you got to have options. You got to have options yeah. in the finals, right? And we're going to talk about the obviously we're going to talk about the wing defenders. That's a huge. The dynamic wing defenders is a huge one that we'll talk about later. But with the big men, like you have to have multiple options. You have to have different looks you can go to, which is why I made a, a big point at the beginning to say that they can play Looney and Draymond together. They can play Al Horford and Robert Williams together. They can also play them separate. That's so many different options and combinations just with those two players on two different teams that you can already make with some of these with some of these. Um, yeah. The last bigs to make it to the NBA Finals. Think about this. Those four that I just mentioned this year. Last year, it was Aiton versus Brooke Lopez. Now, Brooke Lopez seems like a traditional center, but he can step out and shoot the three. That that yeah. makes him dynamic. It, to be dynamic, you don't have to just be a crazy, you know, athletic, like, you know, Robert Williams type. You, you, ha- you can be... You just have to be multifaceted. So like Looney, he can pick and roll. He can defend on the perimeter. He can defend down low. He can rebound. That's his That's his multiple dimensions. Draymond yeah. has multiple dimensions, obviously. Can defend anywhere on the court. Is just you know a different level. He's an incredible passer. Um, he's dealing with podcast issues of, of his own in, in this series maybe. But, but he's, still, he's, still, the pod. he's still made big plays in game four that helped him win. Al Horford. Can step out, shoot the three. He can he can score on his own. He can you know step on the perimeter, defend a little bit. He's, he's doing all this different stuff. Like you just have to be dynamic. So those are the bigs this year. Last year it was DeAndre Ayton and Brooke Lopez, dynamic bigs. Right, Lopez can defend at a really high level. He can shoot the three. DeAndre Ayton can score on his own. He can defend the perimeter and he can defend down low. Like he's got multiple options. The year before that it was Anthony Davis and Bam Adebayo. Like talk about dynamic. The year before that it was. Um, uh, Kavon Looney and Demarcus Cousins for the Warriors, and then also Marcus Gasol for the you know for the Raptors. So that's the same kind of thing as Brooke Lopez. You either have older to, older Gasol too, older yeah. Gasol, but you still have to have a guy that can step out and either you know he's got to either space the floor or be a vertical threat, right? I think that's the sort of thing that we're seeing. And then you had like the the Cavs and Warriors back and forth, where it was like Bogut, Javale, Looney a little bit, Tristan Thompson a ton. They just have to have a bunch of different looks. And uh, so I think, but, but for the last like four or five years, we can look and say these dynamic bigs make a big deal and they may not play a ton, but you at least can have that look where 
the Warriors were struggling in game four, and then all of a sudden they put Looney in, and he can re- rebound for him. He can defend a little bit for him. He he's yeah. he's a stopgap at you know at defending the rim and, and all that. Like it's been uh, it's been interesting to, to watch them and to see how they you know how these bigs have affected the series so much. And I think this is the lesson the Mavs can learn. This is not like the biggest reason why these teams are here, but it's the biggest lesson the Mavs can learn from this. Yeah, and just with the big stands, like how when was the last time? Uh, you know, a team won the won the title or even in the finals with the big with their big man as they're like in their top two or three players. Like even Brooke Lopez. And like Anthony Davis have, was the was the one. I was but gonna he, say AD was the only guy really you know, if if we want to count the the bubble. Uh but like you know, it's like Booker, Chris Paul, you know, even you know, the Bucks, obviously Giannis and Holiday and Middleton, um, you know, with the, this Boston team, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, like so that's the only that's the only thing I'm thinking about coming out of this series is yeah I mean you, know. you just start looking back and you're like okay the last big that was like a huge part of the offense besides Anthony Davis that was like it was the kind of Tim Duncan with that Heat team or that Spurs team I mean it's Duncan Dirk Shaq I was gonna say Dun- Duncan Dirk and Shaq like those are the last ones and you have but to that be- was before the shift really of like the and, small ball era and I can see Embiid and Jokic making it and being a big part of their their team's offense like they can build teams around that can make the finals but you either have to have that kind of big or you have these kind of bigs right the yeah the Loonies the Robert Williams the Horfords the Brooke Lopez's the Marcus Gasol's the you know even like Tristan Thompson's types or like you have to have different like wings that you, or bigs that you can pull back and not play 40 minutes a night or 35 minutes a night, they can also be effective when they go out there and play. Yeah. Coming up, we got a couple more lessons the Mavs can learn from the NBA Finals. They have to add another wing defender. It's definitive. I, I think it's it's definite now the Mavs need to add another wing defender if they are going to try and make the Finals. We'll tell you why coming up, and then we'll do our profile on Patrick Baldwin Jr. for the NBA Draft. But before we do, let me tell you about Truebill. Truebill. Helps you with all the subscriptions you have. You have so many different kinds of subscriptions. We just got like another bark box in the mail. We got I have subscriptions just coming out all all the time, coming coming to my door. And I need Truebill to help me sort through all the ones that I don't need. I love bark box. I want to keep it. My dog loves it. But there are certain subscriptions I don't want or need anymore. Truebill can help you with that. It's a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't want, need, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to seven hundred twenty dollars a year with Truebill. Companies. Don't make these subscriptions easy to cancel. They want it to make they want to make it hard for you, so you just get lazy and say, oh, "I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to go on the phone and cancel, you know, whatever cable or <laughs> things you have to do." Truebill can help you with some of those subscriptions. So don't fall for scams anymore. Start canceling today at Truebill.com/lockedonNBA. Truebill.com/lockedonNBA. It could save you thousands of dollars a year. Truebill.com/lockedonNBA. All right, Isaac, the ultimate NBA mock draft starts June 16th. Who's editing that? With over 50 insiders, nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board Draft uh, experts will join the Odyssey insiders. The first pick starts June 16th. We participated in this. It's the ultimate NBA mock draft. Go check out the ultimate mock draft feed uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out right now on Odyssey or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Isaac Harris, we're talking about... Finals lessons the NBA, the Mavs can hold on. We're talking about lessons the Mavericks can learn from the NBA Finals. I just like rearranged that entire sentence in my head. That's um, great. NBA Finals lessons that the Mavericks can learn. We talked about the dynamic bigs. I think that's a big thing that the Mavericks can learn. It's a thing that they we already know that they want to improve on. The other thing I think they absolutely need 
is another dynamic wing. The Mavs have two. They have Dorian and they have Reggie. They are incredible, great, dynamic defenders. They can defend guards. They can defend wings. Some of them can, you know, they can defend bigs, some bigs. They can, you know, fight through screens. They can guard, they can guard in multiple different ways. They're great team defenders. But Nico Harrison said something recently that stuck with me. We ran Dorian and Reggie into the ground. That is something he said recently. I think it was on Ben and Skin, right, on the Eagle. Yeah. He said, we ran them into the ground. And you start looking at these two teams, the Warriors and the Celtics, and you say, okay, the Warriors have Wiggins, Draymond, Otto Porter, Gary Payton II, Clay, if you still count them. And that's like five-ish dynamic wing defenders, at least four. At least They have at least four, if you don't count Clay. The Celtics have Smart, Tatum, Brown, and Grant Williams. That's four. That's four really good wing defenders. The Mavericks have two guys that I think are on that level. It's Dorian and Reggie. After that, it's like Maxi. He's kind of more of a big than he is, you know, a, a wing defender. Josh Green and Frank. Those are like the Mavs' five best wing defenders, right? Was there anybody else you'd throw in that that group? Boban? No, no. <laughs> but they, they need at, le- at least one more because these two teams in the finals right now have four. Yeah, and even looking at you know, there were obviously some you know a little the games got out of hand there in the fourth and a couple of these, but just look at their minute distribution yeah. in this series. You know, there's only one player in this entire series that's averaging over 40 minutes a game, and we're right at 40. That's Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. After that, like Jalen Brown's at 36, Marcus Smart's at 33, Derek White is at 30. We talked about their bigs, Horford and Rob Williams under 30. You look at the, you know, the Golden State side of that. Like Steph's at 37, Steph Clay and Wiggins at 37. Like no one is over 40. If we remember our series, Dorian and Reggie's averaging 44 to 45 minutes a game. <laughs> like only getting yeah. like 3 minutes off. So, I once again, I know there were some blowouts affecting, you know, the minutes per game of the series so far, but it does sh- go to show you that depth does matter like even though you want to man tighten that rotation seven guys but if you can have some another body out there that can come off the bench and lower these minutes just get Dorian and Reggie's minutes down to like 38 like I know it might sound dumb to some of you of like oh who cares just like a couple minutes here and there it's like man that actually really does matter especially at the end of the game if they're finishing at 37 38 39 minutes compared to 45 minutes it matters a ton and because these these minutes are tough. These are tough minutes that they're playing, and you have to be, in today's NBA, you have to be on your P's and Q's the entire time that you're out on the court because you can get taken advantage of very quickly. And so I think adding adding a wing, another wing, at least one more dynamic wing defender is super yeah. important. I've, I've seen a couple people in comment section say, why are you guys doing all these wings for draft profiles? Or why are you talking about wings to add in free agency or in trades or anything like that? It's because you need more. If you're, if your best players aren't going to be these, these wings like Tatum and Brown, you have to have more that can defend, right? If, if Luca is yeah. not going to be an elite defender, which I don't think either of us think that he's going to be anytime soon. Then you have to add one, you have to add at least one more, probably two, at least two that are on that level of Smart, Tatum, Brown, Grant Williams, Wiggins, Draymond, Otto Porter, Gary Payton the second. Yeah, and when you say on that level, you mean just like being able to play in the series Defense, like, I wanna, defensively. I want to clarify that that Nick's not saying that Dorian's on the same level as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as far as like overall talent. Well, I'm saying like there, there's but, a there's a threshold of defenders, right? You yeah, have to be yeah, at yeah. Basically, it's like to go on a roller coaster, you have to be at least this tall to ride. Like you have to be at least this good defensively and be JJ able to. Bray is like, <laughs> be able to stay on the court. 
to be included in this dynamic wing defenders spot. And so, yeah. so that's why I say that. And so, like, Josh and Frank weren't tall enough to ride the ride. They, they couldn't play, right? And so if either one of those guys gets better or gets good enough to be able to, you know, to ride the ride or – you know, they have to add at least one more or two more. Mac, Maxi is like, I put Maxi in a different category than these guys, by the way. Maxi has been used as a wing defender for the Mavs, but he's much better as a defends bigs, spaces the floor, is that like small ball five type of guy. And he's been used out of position the last three years. The Mavericks have had him guard like Kawhi Leonard in certain moments. He, like, he does he does okay, though. He, he does, does fine. He like, does fine. Against but he, some, uh, some bigger forwards, though. I, I'll give him. He yeah. does fine, but he's still being used out of position. If he was used in his right position, the Mavs defense would be humming like it has been. So we mentioned Jalen Brown a little bit ago, and I think this is you know the thing watching the offense breakdown of both yeah. these games of Boston or both these teams, Boston versus Golden State. That we know Clay's been struggling, Draymond, even Jordan Poole to an extent. Wish we could have gotten you know this Jordan Poole, uh, but <laughs> I know right. <laughs> uh, but like you almost have this like one man offensive show in Golden State, then you have the two guys in Boston. And so I was writing down some notes and it's like, all right, well, if you're going to have a main star, that's going to be a playmaker like Tatum, like Tatum's averaging over seven assists in the series. Mm -hmm. Pretty dang good. Like Tatum's playing pretty, pretty good. But Jalen Brown's scoring right there with him. So it's like, all right, if you're going to have a playmaker, if you're going to have a guy that's going to, you know, actually pass the ball to the guys, do this whole thing, then you're going to need another guy that is like an all-star level guy, like a Jalen Brown. Yeah. Go to the other side. If you're going to have a one-man type of show like a Steph Curry that averages, he's averaging, like they don't have a single player averaging over four assists on their team no. in this series. He's averaging a little over three assists a game. Steph is. But if you're going to have a one-man show on offense, he better be dang near perfect. And yeah. that's what Steph is. Steph's at 50% from the field, right at 50% from the three-point line. He's shooting 86% from th- like from the free throw line. So 50-50-86, like that's dumb. That's just unheard of. So it's one or the other. You got to be perfect if you're a one-man show. But if you're not a one-man show and you're going to be a playmaker, pass, get everybody involved, and also score a good amount, then you got to have an, a, like a, an all-star level teammate next to you. So. Yeah, and I think that the Mavericks can get there. I think they also the multiple scoring options I think matters too for these teams because if Curry is not perfect, then they have some other options. Now those guys haven't stepped up as much and Curry has been able to carry them through the, through these two wins, but the multiple scoring options for Boston have stood out a lot cuz Tatum has not been you said he's played well and he has in in, in areas, yeah, but he has not game. he yeah. has not shot well or scored really well at all. Like he's he's not up there in finals MVP because of it, basically just because of his scoring averages. Um, but you look at the, the players that have scored at least 18 points or more in these finals games. Curry, Clay, and Wiggins have all scored at least 18 or more in a single game in the NBA Finals. So they got three guys. Those are yeah. the three guys you expect. Poole may, be get, may get in there, but the stage seems a little big for him at this point. For the Celtics, Tatum, Brown, Smart, Horford, and Derek White have all scored at least 18-plus in a game wow. in the NBA Finals. Like you have to have those guys that can at least go off, right? Those guys that yeah. can, can and on any given night, give you 15 to 18, give you maybe 20 on, on a, any given night. You look throughout this playoff run, Curry, so the, the players that have scored 18-plus points for the Warriors, Curry has done it 17 times, Clay 11, Poole 8, Wiggins 7, Looney and Kuminga each did it once. For those, the Celtics, Kuminga, wow. I know, right? I think, wasn't it against the Mavs? Was it not against the Mavs? 18? No, he had that one good game, but it wasn't 18. Um, for the Celtics, Tatum and Brown both did it 19 times. Smart, 9. Horford, 5. Grant Williams, 3. Derek White, 2. Peyton Pritchard and Robert Williams each did it once. 
You got to have this collective and these guys just pop off at any given night. For the Mavericks this year, Luka 15 times, Brunson 13 times, Dinwiddie six times, Reggie three times, Dorian three times, Maxi two times. They got that. They got those scores from, from those guys. Now, it's not necessarily from the guys that you expect, maybe, but they at least got, got some production from those guys, which is why the Mavs made it as far as they did. They finally got some production from, from those guys. But you have to have Dinwiddie step up just a, a little bit more. You have to have that one more guy, I think, that can get you 18+. Plus. And I think the multiple yeah. scoring options was, uh, was big for him. And so it's, it's either the, – the takeaway and the lesson from this, it's either Dinwiddie be better, <laughs> right, or – Get get a better like third option. Well, I think there's a Brunson angle of this too. Like, how how what's Brunson's ceiling? Like, can he if Luca's gonna gonna play the Jason Tatum type of role of you know passing, playmaking, all that? Can Jalen Brunson be a Jalen Brown? Can he be to that level? There's the moments Jalen Brown like was taken over in the first quarter. We've seen him do that some in the playoffs. You know, Jalen Brunson, but can he be at that level? And does he have to be? If they have multiple scoring yeah. options, if they have the, the one extra guy, does Dalen Brunson have to be that good? Or can he just be as good as he was during this playoff run, which was pretty dang good? Incredible yeah. in the Jazz series, pretty good in the you know the Warriors and the, the Sun series. But can he just be that good and the Mavs get to the next round because the collective stepped up? And so those are my takeaways. You have to have a dynamic big. That's the biggest thing for the Mavericks because I think that adds the scoring options too because Looney has had an 18-point game. You've had Al Horford have five. Robert Williams has had one. Like You have to have – they can't have just like a negative <laughs> at yeah. big and uh, and expect to make it. Like Maybe it's just add that big, add one more wing defender, and then all of a sudden this team at least has the roster and that's, the things have to go right and the matchups have to go right for them. But they can make the, they can make the finals because Luka is that good. And, and that was one of my notes I wrote down. I was imperfect teams can make the finals and even win the finals. And I put in parentheses. I said, I said, I hope we all realize that whenever the Mavericks do win their next title, we're all going to be complaining about them and like, oh, they need this, they need this until they win the title. I'm like, oh, cool, they won the title because like, you I mean you see Warrior stuff, we see Warrior stuff all the time. It's like they lose the other night and it's fire Kerr and it's like all this stuff. <laughs> all you year, know. I've been telling you all year they've been wanting to fire Kerr. <laughs> And I'm like, bro, they're two wins away from the finals. And there's times I'm watching this Warriors team saying, where are you going to get your offense? Or what's who's going to play right now? Maybe they who's should fire rotation? <laughs> Like, what's going on? And I'm like, bro, they're two wins away. And it's just a reminder of, hey, we we don't have the, have to have the perfect roster for us to say, we can win the title. And that's not just this year. Think about last year, that Bucks team. How many times did people say, you know, Budenholzer can't win the title if he plays the way that he's doing. He can't, doesn't make enough adjustments and do all that. Yeah. That Suns team, who expected that Suns team to be there? Um, you look at the you know the year before that Lakers team. There's Lakers team has all Eddie kinds Johnson, of problems. Eddie Johnson didn't. <laughs> the Lakers team has all kinds of problems now. Um, the Raptors team. I don't know if anybody counted the Raptors team as the. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Lakers' problems. <laughs> I'm down for that. <laughs> the most fun Isaac will have on this podcast. Coming up for real, though, we have another draft profile for you. Patrick Baldwin Jr., an incredible, incredibly interesting prospect, I think, if you're interested in the draft. Could he be the big swing wing the Mavericks need? We'll talk about that and more coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to check out all the lines and odds. We've been talking about the NBA Finals this, this podcast right now. The series uh, money line right now, the Warriors minus 138, Celtics are plus 118. Interesting. Now it's back in the Warriors' favor. For it just swings every, every game. I know, right? For game five, though, Warriors at home, 
We've we've been there. You and I have seen playoff performances in this building, which is cool to say. What's the spread here? Warriors minus, and minus Warriors, four and a half. Warriors minus three and a half. Only giving them basically yeah. the home court advantage right there. So they, bet online doesn't think this series is that that different. All kinds yeah. of other stuff you can bet. You can bet on how far the series will go. Whoever wins, it doesn't matter. You can bet. Um, you can bet already if you want to talk of Lakers, Isaac. You can already bet. Will the Lakers make the playoffs next year? Yes, is minus two forty. No, is plus one ninety. Mm. So they think the Lakers will make the playoffs next year, or at least that's the the better the, the worst bet money right there. there. The better odds there. You can check that out at Bet Online. Find everything. It's not just basketball. They have uh, baseball as well. Fights. Everything. Check it out. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Isaac Harris, we're continuing our draft profile series. The Mavericks have the 26th pick in the NBA draft. We're picking players that will probably be around this range. They, they, some of them may go 20, 18, 19, whatever. Some of them may go 30, 34, whatever. But they'll probably be in the range for the Mavericks. It's a big, big area. We have one guy today, Patrick Baldwin Jr., just this very interesting prospect that is on the draft boards. Six foot ten. He's a 7'2 wingspan. He is 230, uh, 230, like his weight at, at, the, at the combine. He's going to be 19 and a half at the time of the draft. He went to Milwaukee in the Horizon League. Only played 11 games there. Fascinating yeah. story. Um, the one sentence from both The Ringer and NBA.com. NBA.com's been doing incredible draft profiles. They've been uh, partnering with Synergy, so go check out all their stuff. Um, skilled jump shooting forward who showed intriguing talent but missed a big chunk of his freshman year in Milwaukee with an ankle injury. And then the ringer says, theoretical mismatch nightmare with size and scoring ability, though the results haven't necessarily been there. Which I think both those sentences together kind of explain him, right? He's like this, the, the wing that you want, right? Huge size, big wingspan, can shoot the three. We just haven't seen that come together for various reasons, right? Yeah, so I think one of the bigger storylines for me of this whole draft is the big swings. Of there, there are big swings. There's big question marks. The Shaden Sharps of the world, the Marshawn Bochamps. Yeah. We, we talked about you know him. We you know Jaden Ivy. But like there's some like Shaden Sharp, Bochamp to an extent, Patrick Baldwin. Like these are genuine saying. Uh, Usman Jang, like yeah, what are they like? What like you could swing for these guys, and I mean. Usman Jang, we're looking at like the last 10 to 15 games of his season for the breakers. And we're saying, dude, like that is a swing right there. He looks so good. Patrick Baldwin, a brief background of him. High school. He was fifth overall recruit before his senior year in ESPN rankings. Fifth overall in this class. You you could go on YouTube right now, look at Patrick Baldwin on YouTube uh, and say Patrick Baldwin high school. There's a like literally a video from a year ago saying number two prospect in the country. Okay. So you look at his stuff before his senior year and he's literally one. Of, you look at mock drafts then he's mocked in the top three, top five in mock drafts before his senior season. So he's going into his senior season of high school. He has offers. These are schools that he has offers from Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, UCLA, and a long list of others. Okay. Like literally all of the blue bloods, <laughs> all of the biggest schools you can imagine. Okay. Because he's a six ten guy. He's Gatorade player of the year in his state, his junior season. He goes into senior year. He scores 43 points. His first game of the season, his senior year, second game, he dislocates his ankle. So 
He dislocates his ankle. He sets out the entire year, and then he has this decision. Well, what do I do? Do I go play for Coach K? Do I play for Cal at Kentucky? Do I play for one of these big schools? No, no, no. He's like, I'm going to play for you, Dad, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go to Milwaukee and play in the Horizon League to play for his dad. He instantly becomes the highest-ranked recruit ever to play in the Horizon League. For those that maybe uh, maybe international listeners or even those that don't follow college basketball, what's the what's Horizon League? Why do we keep saying that with like a tone? <laughs> I, it's kind of hard to. I mean, it's just a super small conference. Like think of, you know, a, a league. I don't even know what it'd be a comp, you know, for Europe or something like that. Of like just a tiny league, a tiny school. <laughs> um, it's like really it's like it. there's the Premier League, and then there's like the. Like uh, I don't know, like the Mexican league or, or whatever, like whatever the Tigres play. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched a game there, and I was like, oh, this is a this is a way step down. But yeah, I just don't. Yeah, I don't know the the comp for that. So he decides to go to Milwaukee. He decides to play for his dad. He obviously had set out his whole senior season basically because of dislocated ankle. He goes into Milwaukee. NBA scouts are like, what the crap? How we're gonna recruit this guy? He's gonna be in Horizon League. Is he gonna just torch this league because he's so good? He goes in, he struggles to start the season, he re-aggravates his ankle injury, then he gets COVID. He plays 11 games at Milwaukee, and all of his stats suck. Okay, yeah, they're awful. Like, they're horrible. So now what do you freaking do? Like We're talking like a year and a half ago, and my, I wrote down a question, I said, what if he didn't play a single game like Shaden Sharp? Where yeah. are we talking about him right now? Right. What? Where is he at on draft boards? A 6'10 guy who is literally a top five guy a year and a half ago. And top it all off, his dad gets fired at the end of the season anyway. So <laughs> now he's, go, he's going into the NBA. He goes to the combine. And it's like, you know what? This is a moment for you to really help your stock, okay? Because you had a down year. He goes to the combine. Tough, tough showing for him he, at the combine. He measured well, right? Like 6'10", 7'2", well, yes. wingspan. All that stuff is great. However... um. He had the lowest max vertical of the entire like class at the combine who did the max vert at 26 and a half inches, 26 and a half inches. That's like my uh, vertical, <laughs> st- like stand invert. He was second, the, like the second worst standing vertical. You look at the three quarter sp- sprint speed. He was the fourth slowest in that, like all across the, of the board on all of these tests, like the shuttle run, the shuttle run, as far as the slowest of that, like Patrick Baldwin was 0.01 faster than Drew Timmy at Gonzaga. <laughs> it's like, so he sailed that to say, all right, well, then he goes to come and he struggles. He doesn't like do well of that, but he measures well. So now he's like one of the biggest swings that you can think of. Like there's some mocks that have him in the thirties. There's some that have him in the low twenties. He's staying in the draft, but he's this six ten guy that, yeah, if you swing on him at the end of the first round, there's a world that he hits. But there's also a world that he's a Jabari Parker and he's out of the league in a few years. Yeah, yeah. Well, and or just the, yeah, the injuries just catch up to him. So is it all yeah. just that injury, or did he really lose a step? Because you watch some of those highlight clips from high school, and you can see like my my comparison for him is Michael Porter Jr. He just looks so much like Michael Porter Jr. in some of the like highlights that I, I've watched. Or yeah. like an extremely poor man's Kevin Durant, like a slower like a slower footed oh, Kevin that's Durant. Tough. <laughs> because he can like, get his own shot. He's 6'10". He's got the length. Like, he's got he's all got that. He's got a high release point, too. He's got a shot. high release point on his shot. He's just he's he's obviously not Kevin Durant. He's a very, very or like a poor man's Kevin Durant. But the skills are there. And so you see that. He's jump shooter. 
can defend on the can defend on the wing like basically is a wing that is is huge like the you know the Paul Georges the Michael Porter Juniors like all that but where is it like what what is he going to be and how long yeah. is it going to how long is it going to take for him to even for us to be able even see if he's got that in the NBA uh, it's it's really fascinating the, the availability of him is, is kind of on one spot though the ringer had him at 34 ESPN mocked him at 36 the athletic actually mocked him at 29 however Sam Vecini that wrote that athletic mock and he goes I have no idea where he's going to go in the draft. I have no yeah. feel. And Sam Vizzini's like one of the most plugged in guys. Um, Raphael doesn't really even know where, where he's supposed to go in the, in the draft either. Cause it's just so hard to get like a, you know, a, to nail down any of these, any of these um, scouts on, on him because it's just so different. It's such a big swing. Uh, like another thing about his, um, about his, like his story he was on the USA team, the tw- the tw- 2021 FIBA Under-19 World Cup team with Holmgren, uh, um, Jaden Ivey, and Johnny Davis. Like, some of the be- like top 10 guys in this class. And they went and they won, like, the FIBA w- World Cup Under-19s. And he was, like, on that team and was playing, like, yeah, he, 17 he minutes. Yeah. He was playing 17 minutes a game with these guys. Like, really a big contributor, supposed to be, like, one of the best guys in this class. And then the ankle injury happens, the weird year in Milwaukee. And so now, Isaac Harris, what do you do? Man, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> why do you take him? Whoever he, whoever drafts him, like we just get like the selling pitch to the fan base is, hey, this guy was a top recruit just a little bit ago. He had an unfortunate, like everything, kind of like the Marshawn Bochamp that we talked about his whole story. It's like he had a crazy year, like yeah. the dislocated ankle, his senior year of high school into this crazy year of college of, you know, di- re-aggravating the ankle injury. The, he got COVID, only plays 11 games, like this nightmare year. His dad gets fired. They lose all these games. It's like this nightmare year in this tiny, tiny league, and now he's coming into the league, and it's like, what is he going to be in, in the NBA? And it's like, yeah, could a team draft him at like 19, 20? Could the Spurs you want, use one of their picks? Yeah, I could see it. Could he fall into the 30s in the second round? I could see that too. But why do the Mavs take him? The Mavs take him if they believe in high school version of him. Yeah. Why does the team take Shaden Sharp in the top 10 somewhere? Because they believe in this high school version of Shaden Sharp. And if you believe in the high school version of Pat Baldwin, then that's what you're going with. Like you're saying, Hey, a six ten guy can get buckets. We can at least bring him off the bench and make him, you know, a spot up shooter and go from there. See if he can initiate offense, slowly bring him along. Do you think that it was all about the ankle injury and all that? Why do you don't, why do you not take him as the, everything that's happened? It's like, he doesn't measure well when it comes to as far as being a fluid athlete and all of that. And it's like, well, all right, well, what is this like really who you are or who are you? So it would be I nice if some of the athleticism came back to give you like a glimmer of, okay, th- this guy can be, but even in high school, he didn't show a ton of athleticism. It wasn't like he was this freak athlete, right? Which yeah. is why I kind of compare him to Porter jr. Kevin Durant. Like these guys were not the craziest athletes, but they had incredible skills and incredible ball skills, incredible yeah. shooting skills, all that kind of stuff, and just this frame that can shoot over anybody. And so my thing is the Mavs should take him if they want to take a big gamble on a skill set and tools. Skill set and tools, mm. to maybe he'll turn into a Michael Porter Jr. type or it can be an overqualified 3 and D player. I think his, his defense, has, people have written about his defense as being better than like what Michael Porter Jr.'s is, so maybe yeah. that, that helps as well. But he could be a 3 and D player probably pretty early. Could he be, could he be a Cam Johnson? Could he be yeah. a... Could he be a Harrison Barnes you right. know, type? Like, I mean, that or I think is he's 6'10? He, he's, he's bigger than both of those guys. I know. Or is he like legit Jabari Parker? And yeah. it's like, oh, he's that size, but he's kind of slower and then just doesn't work out. For the Mavs, though, to not take him, this is not the year to take the gamble. 
right? I don't know if it's a, it's a, it's a year for them to take this huge of a gamble because it might take yeah. a couple years to rehabilitate him, to get him back in the right spot, to get him in the right shape probably because that athleticism screams to me he might not be in the, the best like the best shape or the best. Or he's just out there just chilling. He's like, bro, I already got it. Or, <laughs> or tanking his draft stock because he wants to go to a certain place. He's like, I have connections to Nico. To play so in a certain Metroplex. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> The Mavs, I think, I think uh, you know, it was one of the reporters for the Athletics said the Mavs met with them at the Combine. They met yeah. with a ton of people, so it's not, you know, like, like that's the biggest thing in the world. But it's what you said. Why they don't take him is why they do take him is you're taking the swing at they one gamble. of the best players in the draft possibly. Why you don't take him is there's probably somebody that's going to be there at 26 compared with him that you're like, that guy can plug in and play right now. This is like a more complicated version of the Michael Porter Jr. thing in the draft, right? Like, yeah, you're, you're taking a big, it's probably a bigger swing and, but it could pay off just as well. So yeah, the same questions are going to be asked about Usman Jang higher up in the draft, 12, 11, 13, 14, all through those picks, teams are going to be asking the same thing and saying, all right, do we take a guy who can play right now or do we take a swing at a Jang type and saying, dude, this dude's 6'10 and he could do all these things. It might take some time, but the upside of that, we could take the swing type of thing. So same kind of similar conversation. It's very interesting. Let us know what you think in the comments below. Also, let us know what you think the Mavs need to add to the roster to go to the finals. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs, making us your first listen. Make sure to go check out the Lockdown NBA Big Board podcast. Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and the Lockdown or the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Mavs Draft Richard Stamen and a bunch of other guys to give fans an in-depth look at the NBA Draft, mock drafts, player rankings, and of course, big boards. Free and available wherever you get your podcast. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Peace out. Boom!